communicating with the horses is the most important thing. And I always focus about dealing with the horse's brain and not with the horse's body directly. So uh, I never force the horse to do something. I always uh, kind of deal with the horse's brain and try to convince him to do it for me. Mm -hmm. And this is very, very, very important for me. Uh, this is the priority number one. Mm -hmm. It's all about convincing with diplomacy. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, and when you can convince the horse to do something, then he will do it so much better mm -hmm. than if he is forced to do it. Because if he is forced to do it, then he will start to, to go away from it because it's not fun for him. Welcome to Practical Horseman's podcast featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Sandra Olenek, and this week's episode is with French Olympian and World Equestrian Games champion, Eric Neve. Eric grew up breaking young horses at his father's farm, Arras de Bossy, in France, and taking them to their first competitions. His father, Alain, was a farmer, breeder, and top-level rider who was named to France's 1968 Olympic team, though an ankle injury from a foal's kick precluded him from going. In addition to learning everything about riding and horsemanship from his father and training up to 30 young horses each year, Eric, who earned two national junior titles, gained international attention in the Junior European Championships, where over three years he earned two silver medals as well as an individual gold. Eric began competing at senior shows and was selected to represent France at the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics after being partnered with Jetador just three months earlier. After that, he and his homebred, Quito de Bossi, enjoyed several years at the top of the sport. They earned individual and team gold medals at the 1990 World Equestrian Games, team gold at the 1991 European Championships, team bronze at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, and Team Silver at the 1994 World Equestrian Games. Eric had international success with other horses as well, including a Team Silver medal at the 1998 World Equestrian Games with Atout de Signy, as well as Team Gold and Individual Silver at the 2002 World Equestrian Games and an appearance at the 2004 Olympics with Dalla de Murier. Throughout his career, Eric has won five gold medals at the French National Championship. Eric moved to Rancho Santa Fe, California in 2013 to be the personal coach for Grand Prix rider Carl Cook. Fast forward seven years, and Eric and Carl are the collaborative crux of Pomponio Ranch, mixing old-fashioned horsemanship and looking outside the box for new ways to enhance those methods. You can read more about this in the article Classic Meets Cutting Edge at practicalhorsemanmag.com. I caught up with Eric at the Longines FEI Jumping World Cup Final Qualifier in Wellington, Florida earlier this year. During our conversation, Eric shared what it was like growing up as a third-generation horseman on his father's breeding farm, competing at the 1984 Olympics at age 25, riding legendary horses Gem Twist and Milton at the 1990 World Equestrian Games, and more. You can read more about how Eric focused on enjoying the moments with Gem Twist and Milton in the article, Eric Neve, Mindset Matters, also at practicalhorsemanmag.com. 
Before getting into our conversation, I first want to thank the sponsors of this week's podcast, ADM Animal Nutrition. ADM Animal Nutrition knows that equine athletes require specialized nutrition to perform at their optimal levels. ACEs is a unique amino acid supplement formulated to boost muscle and tissue recovery, to support optimal muscle repair, and to promote fitness. Give your equine athlete the nutritional support he needs to excel in the show ring. Feed ACEs, an amino acid supplement from ADM Animal Nutrition. Learn more at ADMEquine.com. Now, let's jump right into our conversation with Eric, where he talks about growing up and riding at his father's farm. Oh, I have the best childhood you can imagine. Um, yes, um, I'm from a, a multi-generation uh, horse people because um, my, my granddad was the first one to breed sport horses, but before him, you know, it was all farmers uh, in the family. So at these times, you know, all times, the farmers always had the horses for the farm work and also, uh, also to travel with. So um, there were always horses in my family. And as a kid, I was put on a horse before I was able to walk. So it has always been so natural for me, you know, to ride horses. Uh, like other kids, just walk and then uh, and then uh, uh, bike. You know, it's uh, and so then I, when I was very young, I got on ponies just for fun. And you know, was with my brother. We were riding pony all day long. We work on the seat very early because we we rode them with no saddle. We did everything with them. So it's I think I got a good seat on a horse from that. Right, the balance. You would <laughs> yeah, have to have. exactly. Seat and balance. How did working with your dad and riding the young horses impact you as a rider and trainer? Um, that is very interesting and very important question because uh, I got a lot, a lot, a lot of experience on young horses because I was exclusively riding young horses when I was when I was young, and um, except for one horse because my, ho my my dad had a pretty big breeding operation, like he had always between forty and forty five broodmares. Uh, so we bred a lot. So we had a lot, a lot of uh, babies, and um, my job was to uh, to break uh, to break up the babies when they were two and a half. Always, all of them when we were twelve, twelve and a half, and I I broke all of them myself. You know, like thirty of them every year, wow. and uh, I got the young ones, you know, uh, ready for the the four year old uh, the the four year old shows that uh, we I started training them when they were three and a half. And then get them ready to show us four-year-olds, and then uh, we sold uh, most of them. And when they were four, five, and six, after my 18 of age, I just uh, did the young horses, mm -hmm. and um, so I went to the show and I showed 15 horses a day. And uh, you know, I did so many, so many, so many rounds, and I were. That's where I got my experience, you know, and. Um, it's like any other sport. You more the more you practice, uh, the better you feel, and the more confidence, self confidence. You get the self confidence by, by practicing. Mm -hmm. And I had the chance to practice a lot in the ring because I had so many young horses. Mm -hmm. So for me, showing was just a normal thing. Did you know at a young age that you wanted to compete at a high level? I knew at a young age that I wanted to to uh, to be around horses all my life. Um, I never had any question about that, and I loved, from my young age, I loved the horses and I loved the sport. Uh, so I was sure what I was going to do. 
but I was not thinking about uh, big things. I was thinking about uh, this, uh, this lifestyle around the horses. I love the horses. I love to ride myself. I like training. I love riding every day. It's not only about competing. Um, so I didn't even think about um, getting to the high level. I was just enjoying what I did. Moving on to the horses, who are some important or influential horses in your life and what were they like? So obviously the first name that comes to my mind is Quito de Bossi. Um, the, my dad's farm's name was uh, Bossi, the Ara de Bossi. And um, Quito de Bossi obviously was... Uh, was um, homebred by my dad, and he is the horse that uh, brought me uh, to the double gold in the World Games in 1990 in Stockholm, Sweden. The horse was only eight. So uh, it's been obviously very influential in my career because uh, I started from scratch with him as well, you know. So uh, I, I broke him as a two-year-old uh, and I started to train, in, to train him as a three-year-old and I showed him in the Young Horses uh, shows in France and, uh, and here we are, when he was eight, we got the double gold at the Games and, uh, and the year after we had the European Championship in my home country in France, in La Baule and um, obviously, you know, Everybody was waiting for me over there because uh, I was the new world champion for, for a year. So uh, uh, I had to be good and I, I won again with Quito. We won again the individual gold mm. at the Europeans. And then after we got the bronze, uh, uh, team bronze at the Olympics in mm. Barcelona. Mm -hmm. So it's been the horse of my life. The horse, yeah, it's been the horse of my life, definitely. So you made your first Olympic appearance in 1984 with Jetendor. Can you talk about how you progressed from riding young horses at your father's farm to representing France on the world stage? Uh, this is this is a different story. This one with uh, with Jetendor. Um, yes, that was in the year 84, 1984, and the Olympic Games were in uh, LA, Los Angeles, and. Um, I was not thinking about that because I didn't, I didn't have a horse for, for the Olympics. And I was young, I was 25. I was more involved in my young horse's business at this time. And I was not, I was far from the high level. So what happened is very particular. What happened is that um, uh, I got for the first time in this horse three months before the Olympics, just um, to try. And uh, because the, the usual rider, Hervé Godignon, was a famous rider in France at this time, um, was a professional. And at this time, the Olympic Games were, uh, were only for amateur riders. And what the, was the difference in between amateur and professional at this time is just that if you had an official sponsor with a brand name, uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't show in the Olympics. Hmm. And uh, Hervé Godignon was sponsored by the Moite Chandon, Champagne, Moite Chandon. And all his horses uh, carried the name of Moite Chandon with the horse's name. And he was not allowed to uh, go to the Olympics. So he decided with the owner of the horse to uh, let me try the horse, just in case it's a good match and, and get a chance. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. So I rode the horse for the first time in, um, 
in Paris, in the CSIO in Paris. That was my first CSIO. And uh, I ended up second in the Grand Prix with Aurore. That it was a pretty wow. good start. <laughs> and I never showed that level before. Huh. And then I went to Barcelona and was second in the Queen's Cup and, uh, and um, double clear on the Nations Cup. Then I went to Aachen and then I went to Hickstead. And in Hickstead, we won the Nations Cup. I was double clear and I was triple clear and second in the Grand Prix. And that when the chef d'équipe was, was Marcel Rosier, Philippe Rosier's dad at this okay. time and he decided to put me in, uh, in the team because I was succeeding in every single CSIO he sent me to. So five shows only and here I, I am at the Olympics. So wow. I was... Uh, and age 25? I was 25. 25. Yeah, and I, I never showed the high level before. How did you even handle, handle it? I must say it was a fantastic match with the horse right away. And I felt so good with the horse. This horse was so scopy. He could jump a house and I felt very confident. Mm -hmm. And he was very well educated by Hervé Godignon. And um, he, I felt it easy, you know, so why not? And then, <laughs> but that was a great experience, obviously, for me as a 25-year-old and uh, far from the high level three months before. Right, <laughs> right. It was kind of like in a dream. A dream. Yeah, I think I was... I, I have been very happy that that specific year, the French team was a little poor. You know, we had uh, we had two stars in the team, like Japelou with Pierre Durand and uh, Flambeau with Frédéric Cotier, with star horses, those two. And after that, you know, we don't have a real team. So I've been lucky that it was the right year for me to get a chance. At the 1990 World Championships, uh, which talked about you had won. Um, that was the year you got to ride Gem Twist in Milton. Um, what was that like? And at this time, you know, you could ask anybody in the world which, were, uh, which horses are the best two in the world. Nobody would have said otherwise, Milton and Gem Twist. Mm -hmm. And I had the chance to ride both of them the same day, <laughs> in the same afternoon. So it was like a dream for me, dream come true. So both were very, very different horses, totally That's different. I would say even opposite, mm -hmm. but uh, it was such a treat for me. And uh, I, it, was a, it was a great match right away when I got on both of them and have my two minutes before getting in the ring. It was like a dream. Really? And, uh, and, and the, the course, I remember both rounds, of course, you know, I uh, still have them in my, in my mind, in my brain, but I would say both of them were totally different, but with both of them, it was a great, great trip. And even though it was the, the World Games, the World Championships with a lot of pressure, I, I decided not to take care of the result, but just enjoy, because I, I knew that it was the only chance in my life to ride these two horses the same day, to have this opportunity. So I ended up forgetting the championship and just enjoy riding these horses and I was clear with both of them but it was much more about the the, the, the trip the pleasure the the enjoyment than the pressure of a championship so I'm very very happy that I could do that right right mm -hmm. it's, people talk especially these days about living in the moment, being very mindful Absolutely. of the moment, and that's what it sounds like. Absolutely. I didn't want to uh, 
And I told myself, you know, when I knew I was in the last four and those two horses were in, I, right from the beginning, the night before, I told myself, I don't want to ruin this moment because of the importance of the result. I just want to enjoy riding these horses. For me, it's even more important than the result. And I think this, that helped me a lot to put the pressure on the side mm -hmm. and enjoy the moment. I guess uh, that might lead into this question. Do you, do you, do you or did you have a routine before competition? Um, like we talked a little bit about whether you get nervous and how you handle it. But Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the, the best way to, um, to erase the pressure uh, and to get nervous is, uh, is, um, is to get the self-confidence. And how do you get the self-confidence? You get self-confidence by practicing and showing. And I think that the more you trust yourself, the less you get the bad stress. Because, because you know, at the end of it, what is, what is the stress? The stress is uh, the lack of confidence, the lack of self-confidence. That's where the stress comes from. So, you know, if you trust yourself, and you get that only with a lot of experience, but some people get it earlier, some people get it later, but uh, the more you show, the more you get the self-confidence, and then you, you feel less and less the stress mm -hmm. uh, because of your self-confidence. If you trust yourself, you have no, if you go in the ring and you know you're not going to do big mistakes. Mm -hmm. Everybody does mistakes. But you feel, okay, it still happens. <laughs> but you mm -hmm. feel that normally you're not going to do a big mistake. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you are at this point and you feel that, then you don't feel the stress that much. Mm -hmm. So what, is, what doesn't depend on you is... Um, uh, is it a good day? Is it not a good day? You know, you have lucky days and unlucky days. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you, it's like it's written that you're going to win and you win. And sometimes it's written that you're not going to win today. And even if you ride well, if you ride well, even if you ride perfect, you have a rail down and mm -hmm. an un unlucky rail. Sometimes you think you rode super. And you have a rail. And sometimes you think, oh, I did a few small mistakes that were not that good, and you're still clear. You know, so that's part of the sport. But that's not where the stress comes from. The bad stress comes from. The bad stress, again, comes from the lack of confidence, mm -hmm. self-confidence. Mm -hmm. And it's only showing and showing and showing and showing until you trust yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the way. But I don't have any tricks, you know. It's just experience. Moving on to, you know, training and teaching, what would you say that your overall overall training philosophy is? Ah, that's a very interesting question. I mean that um, uh, for me it's all about uh, communication between the horse and the rider. And I would say for me the, the priority number one is to keep my horses happy. I think that the horses have to be happy to succeed and um, and success come from there. Uh, I like I give you an example. I never go directly from the barn to the to the ring, to the arena to work. I don't forget that the horses spend a lot of time in their stalls, and I don't want them, 
you know, every time they go out of the stall to be ridden, it is just for work. I think they have to enjoy life as well. And um, I always take them to the trails, like 15 minutes before I go to the ring and start my flat work. Uh, I do a lot of flat work. I think it's very, very important um, because we need so much precision in the ring and you get that only from uh, the flat work and then practice, obviously, on the fences and the jumps as well. But, uh, but I think that um, you... We need a lot of flat work because you need to get to the point where uh, the partnership uh, in between the rider and the horse is uh, highlighted. I mean, it's, uh, it is so important that um, the horse and the riders think the horse and the rider think the same way. Mm -hmm. And um, I try, you know, everything I teach my horses, it's always working with them, never against them. So. I want my horses to do every kind of exercise. It can be either on the flat or on the jumps. Um, that the horse, you know, does every kind of exercise because he understands it and is happy to do it for me. And uh, and he needs to have fun doing it as well. So you need to find in the flat work and and the jumps. You need to find the way for the horses to. Um, to have fun doing it as well. So we must be very careful not to find in a kind of routine doing the same thing every single day and uh, and getting the, the horses sick of it, sick of doing it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of variation in the, in the exercises and, um, and um, but communicating with the horses is the most important thing. And I always focus about dealing with the, with the horses' brains and not with the horse's body directly. So uh, I never force the horse to do something. I always uh, kind of deal with the horse's brain and try to convince him to do it for me. Hmm. And this is very, very, very important for me. Uh, this is the priority number one. Hmm. It's all about convincing with diplomacy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and when you can convince the horse to do something, then it will do it so much better than if he is forced to do it. Because if he is forced to do it, then he will start to, to go away from it because it's not fun for him. Mm -hmm. And the horse likes to do it if he en enjoys and have fun doing it. So it's, more, it's all about conviction, mm -hmm. convincing the horses to do what you want them to do. And, um, and that's what I like. You know, I would get bored. You know, I've been showing for 48 years now. Mm -hmm. This year is my 48th year competing. And uh, I would get, I would be sick of it, you know, if it was not this way, if I didn't have this philosophy of communicating with my horses, mm -hmm. I would get bored doing it. So, and every horse is different and, mm -hmm. and you have different ways to deal with different horses. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is uh, so, um, so exciting and so interesting to do. So mm -hmm. that, uh, that what keeps me uh, motivated to, uh, to keep, to keep riding every day. Mm -hmm. So if a horse, and this might be getting too too detailed, but like if a horse was having trouble with shoulder in a young horse, mm -hmm. um, how do you how do you then make it fun, or how do you try to break through, or is that too dependent on on the horse? What you would do? It, it you know, I always say, you know, we want okay. We try to the goal is to get horses uh, execute uh, what they have, within what you need. 
on the flat and on the jump the way you want it. Uh, so you have the same goal with every horse, but the way to get to it can be totally different. You know, the, the way to, to, uh, to get what you need, uh, there are so many different ways to convince a horse to, to, uh, or to make him understand first what you want, because most of the time horses have no clue what the rider wants, and to make the horse understand what you want, and then when you feel that horse gets it, to convince it to do it, to do it for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, but there are so many different ways, different ways to do it. It's just like if you have to convince different people to um, to believe what you say, maybe you won't use the same words, and you won't uh, present it the same way uh, with different people to make them finally understand the thing and 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 execute it. If you try to convince him to execute something or to do something, mm -hmm. so. You won't deal and you, you won't present it the same way with different people. It's exactly the same with the horses. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to know them so well that you kind of find the right way for this one and which can be totally different way with another one, mm -hmm. but you, to get the same result. Mm -hmm. But you get that with experience, but it's not only experience, it's also uh, a philosophy, like we said, you know, it's also uh, uh, enjoying to do it this way, and not just not just uh, coercion or forcing the horse to do it. Um, it. Sounds like you've answered this next question, but um, in case there's anything else, what what do you think makes a good horseman? Yeah, I think uh, it's uh, it's it's very important. So this I talked about the part of um, uh, the rider's part, but uh, the horseman is not only riding. It's not only about riding. It's uh, also about the knowledge of the horse and um, everything you get to know about the horses. You know everything: feeding program. Uh, Anatomy, you know everything that uh, that that you have to know about the horse. You have to be a horseman, not only a rider. Mm -hmm. And um, but all that I've been taught by 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 my dad. You know, we did so many by ourselves and uh, so many things by ourselves. You know, like I told you, breaking the horses. And uh, my dad did the castrations himself. Oh, you know, wow. he got did his babies himself, and he taught me to do it. And when he got when he got older, he told me, "Okay, you can do it now." So I. I get it. I get it like a 15, uh, 15 stallions a year myself. Wow! In the indoor, <laughs> we put a big top in the indoor. We sedated them, we put it, uh, put them on the ground, and then uh, castrated them. And it was was part of my job. You know, that's uh, wow. That's that's yeah. You know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from uh, from my dad to do everything and know more and more. And then uh, you have to know how about. Uh, the horse moves, how about uh, it functions, how about you have to know about the anatomy of the horse. But yes, about the horseman side, it's, you know, so much to know. We never know enough about, uh, about the horses and um, it's very important too. Mm -hmm. um, so now you moved to California in 2013 to be the personal coach for Carl Cook. Uh, what led you to that decision? Um, I would say different things. Um, um, first of all, Carl's ambition. You know, uh, 
Carl was was very motivated in uh, in learning and uh, and with the goal to reach the high level one day. And um, um, I got to uh, to start with Carl when he was um, when he came to my place. You know, we had a common friend uh, whose name is Ali Nilforishan in California, and um, Ali told him, "Why wouldn't you go uh, like for?" for a little while to uh, Eric, my friend Eric Navet in France, Normandy, and uh, start to, uh, to ride with him a little bit. So Carl came for the summer uh, to my place and um, we got along very well and uh, he seemed to be happy about uh, what we did together because then uh, he started to speak to me about uh, coming to California to help him now and then and that's what I did, you know, the first year after that I flew back and forth and I did both, uh, you know, my my farm and my shows in Europe and uh, and uh, some shows and training car in California but uh, I couldn't keep doing that because it's too far, you know, it's a 12 hours flight and uh, 9 hours uh, changing time and uh, flying back and forth all the time so we had to take a decision. Carl, uh, Carl's family uh, wanted me to move to California. It was a very, very difficult decision for me. Mm -hmm. um, since I, I, yeah, I had my business, I had my farm, my clients, everything over there. So um, I was not uh, ready to leave. But on another hand, I wasn't getting any younger. So I was thinking that, okay, the high level now is a little bit less the actuality for me. and. Um, and also, um, we decided with my wife and uh, our two daughters, they were 13 and 16 at the time, that we, it would be a great experience for the family. It would be a great experience for the girls to uh, go to, you know, another culture, another country, another culture, another language. Mm -hmm. Since they were already bilingual in German and French, because my wife is Swiss German, she always speaks with them in German or Swiss German. The final question. Um, kind of in summary, what what do you think has made you so successful? As a rider? I guess, as a rider, as a horseman. I think it's all about, uh, you know, I've been, it's all about what I've been uh, speaking about uh, since the beginning of the interview. I mean, it's all about experience, uh -huh. being around horses all the time. And uh, it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a big choice, you know. Uh, being being a professional, it's uh, it's not nothing is perfect in life. I mean, there are pros and cons, whatever you do. And uh, but it's uh, kind of sacerdos. I mean, you have there is nothing nothing by the side. If you really focus about uh, becoming a high level rider, mm -hmm. it, it's a full time job. It's every single day about horses, around horses, about showing, about training, about, and it's year long. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's 12 months a year, you know, there are no holidays, no, uh, no days doing anything else. It's seven days a week. It's, uh, it's such a, it's such a commitment. It's a lifestyle choice and, um, you need to be crazy doing that, you know. I mean, you you need to be crazy about horses, about uh, the sport, and um, otherwise you cannot do that. And you, and you need to be happy doing it years and years and years, year after year. And but the good thing of it is that 
in this sport, you can last very long. You know, there is no limit. As long as you are fit, you are, um, you know, thank God I'm very healthy. And um, I'm going to turn 61 in two months. And I, I just feel like I was 40 because thanks to the horses, mentally and physically, you know, riding hours and hours every day all my life, keep me fit. And, um, and uh, you know, like every rider, I had some injuries, but that was accidental. But um, I think this is the best way to stay fit and healthy, mm -hmm. to ride as much as you can every day. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, as long as you still like it, with, which is my, my case, you know, I never, uh, I never get, uh, I, I've never felt so far that I had enough, you know, so uh, it's a real passion, but it has to be, mm -hmm. it has to be. Okay, well, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode. And a big thank you to our sponsor, ADM Animal Nutrition, maker of ACEs and amino acid supplements. Learn more at admequine.com. Join us again in two weeks for a conversation with New York Times journalist Sarah Maslin-Mir about her new book, Horse Crazy, the story of a woman and a world in love with an animal. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'm Sandra Olenek. You've been listening to the Practical Horseman Podcast.